What is going on, everybody? Welcome into episode 149 of the Get After It podcast. My guest today is a podcast host himself of the Coach's Corner podcast. He also has, he has a wide-ranging variety of podcasts, but I, but I really encourage you to check out uh, the Coach's Corner podcast. He does a really cool episode every Monday that's similar to the Get After It podcast that is also similar to another podcast he does. And he also, in addition to um, so much content he puts out, uh, Lucas is an entrepreneur. Uh, Lucas is uh, the founder of Coach's University, uh, which has done over a million in revenue of serving coaches, helping them really get clear on who their audience is and how to serve them. And um, I had an opportunity to meet Lucas at an event in Nashville, um, one of my first couple days moving down here. Uh, we came down and, <clears throat> uh, you know, we, we, we got down here in about mid-January, a couple days before a gathering of a, a mastermind we have out here. And uh, Lucas and I met at a cigar lounge, actually, the night before. We had just an, an amazing conversation, so much fun. And um, we had the opportunity here to, to follow up and do this, uh, do this podcast and um, I've been lobbying Lucas to move to Nashville uh, since, so you'll probably get a little bit of that banter. It's a little bit of a longer episode. We, we this is a fun one. I'll just be totally honest and blunt with y'all. This is a this is going to be, I think, a really cool listen for our leaders that uh, are, tune into the Get After It podcast. This is going to be a really cool episode for maybe if you are uh, younger and you're trying to figure out. Where it is, what what it is you want to do, where you want to go. Lucas has a remarkable story, and um, man, I am just so stoked to share uh, this episode with y'all uh, right now. So go find Lucas. He's on Instagram. I think he actually we just shared uh, a couple of our own stories and stuff. You can go find him today on that. Uh, but Lucas Rubix, uh, the founder of Coaches University, and. Um, oh geez, host of the uh, Coach's Corner podcast. There's so much. Lucas is amazing. He's a content marketer, uh, a coach, an entrepreneur, um, and a leader. And it's been a privilege getting to know him and an absolute pleasure to host him here on the Get After It podcast. Without further ado, my guest, Lucas Rubix. Cue the intro. This is the Get After It podcast, where young professionals, entrepreneurs, and action takers learn what it takes to be a high performer. This is more than a podcast. It's a movement. Now, let's get after it with your host, Aaron Griffin. Stoked for my guest today, Mr. Lucas Rubix. I, I had an opportunity to meet Lucas at um, a gathering out here in Nashville just a few weeks ago, I want to say. and. Um, Three weeks ago, dude, that goes so fast. Feels like it's yesterday. It's crazy. I, I was thinking about this because we're just we're flipping Airbnbs now. I just mentioned that we're doing that tomorrow morning, and we've been in this place now for four weeks. So it was a month ago that we had that gathering. So um, uh, how cra- we 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 were talking. We got a chance to connect at the mixer the night before. Then uh, I really appreciate your time, man. I can't wait to pick your brain a little bit on this. And uh, um, instead, do you, do you want to hear? A, do you want to hear a true story? I, real quick. You get we do not lie to the audience on the get after podcast so i'm so uh, we we had cigars that night and i used to smoke i was like a smoker when i was 24 25 it was like a you know just buying packs and i used to drink and now if i have a drink i might have a drink every like six months this was thursday night i'm 33 i had one cigar which was pretty much half a cigar yeah. and one drink 
And I felt it for like three days. I was like, I, I got to, it was like, I, it felt like I partied. <laughs> felt like I partied the next day. I was like, dude, I'm like, my throat hurts. I'm like, I can't be doing this. <laughs> I used to smoke steady and I used to drink quite a bit. And then now it's just like, when you don't touch it, it's like, dude, that stuff, it's not good for you, man. It's not good. It's not mm. good. You know, we joined the Cigar Lounge. I became a member like a few days Pretty ago. Pretty nice in there though. Well, it's a great environment to go. See, we're, we're like the weirdest people in there because we go in there on, we haven't gone in there this week because of the snowstorm, but yeah. we rip that place Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night, get a yeah. couple of pizzas. We sit down and we're on, we, we, we're just jamming with people and uh, we cool. get all the content created. Cool, cool, cool. It you know, feels very, it's got a nice feel to it. There was something gentleman about it. So I totally understand it, but I was feeling that cigar, man. I was feeling it. You know, well, well, what else you're feeling is, man, you are, you're doing some really cool things in not only coaching, but as an entrepreneur, uh, as a content creator, somebody who's sharing their stuff on, I, I see it all the time on Facebook. You want, you mind giving our audience uh, the introduction that I wouldn't be uh, able to fully uh, do in terms of the work that you're doing, the the brand of your company and the and really the, the mission that you're on, because I'm, I'm stoked to have this conversation, man. Really appreciate your time. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you the, the really short version of it, but it's all coaches, experts that we serve. Uh, a lot of the people have a gift. I believe, I truly believe we're all here for a reason. I think we spend our twenties uncovering that reason. I'm, dude, I'm 33 and I'm still like uncovering the deeper elements wow. of it, which is why the business keeps growing. Cause now I'm just like, I'm putting a huge spiritual spin on things as I've been on my own journey for the last five years on spiritual development. And I realized how integral it is to a business. So we're always expanding but at the end of the day. There's a lot of people who are great at what they do, or they know they have a message. They know they want to help others, but how do you bring it out there? How do you put it out there? How do you do the sales and marketing, the tactical side of things, but also how do you clear your vessel? How do you get aligned? How do you get the confidence to just show up? Um, probably all like, get after it. Like, how do you get after it? If we can tie in your podcast, but like, how do you actually build up that stamina, that confidence? So we work on those two ends of things, sales and marketing. And I definitely take over a lot of the mindset energetic type work, which is, has been my jam for the last seven years, uh, started in fitness, realized that people need to shift their beliefs and identities to actually, to actually fix their health. And so I wasn't the best trainer by far. I probably used about six moves with every client, but they all got incredible results and they all kept coming back. I had like six moves, dude. I had like a deadlift and a pull-up and some core stuff like that's it. But that wasn't the point. The point is we had a lot of conversations about like their identities and as we flip that, they kept coming back. They got great results. I know a lot of the trainers and a lot of the people in Vancouver, which is where I lived. I was launching Facebook ads. Like I was just saturating the market with, I just wanted more clients than I needed to do with. And I was a trainer for six months. And after six months, I was sold out. Every other trainer with a PhD was like upset. Like, how was this guy doing this? Wasn't the best trainer, but that's kind of where that started. Moved into the mindset stuff. And now I get to enjoy it in the entrepreneurial space, which is a lot of fun for me. That's like the next level. Mm. Well, as I go through my own journey, mm. which is constantly evolving. If we could go back to the, uh, the, well, first of all, so you, so you started in uh, fitness coaching. I think that's a, from what I've noticed for people who got started around your time, like five years ago in this game, seven, yeah. Six, it, six. It, yeah. It, it seems Something like around there. A, right around like 2014, 2015, right in that. Yeah. Yep. It, it seems like I, I know a lot. I feel like I knew a lot of people who started fitness and pivoted. And, and, and why, why do you think fitness was the, why did you go into fitness? I'm actually just curious to ask why you went into fitness. Why yeah, 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 dude. I'll, I'll, I'll sum it up quick as in, uh, after high school, I did construction, did roofing, did framing, never went to school, 
never really had a desire to go to school. I was into like mechanics, building cars. Oh. I still build motorcycles and engines. Like the faster it goes, the happier I am. Yep. And like horsepower, dude. Like you need horsepower to, to live a fulfilled life. You need horsepower. At least that's my belief. And then I went on the oil rigs. Um, and that was the first career, if we can call it, that I didn't get fired from or enjoyed because you're just left alone. You're kind of solo. Mm. You're in the woods. You're in the bush. You're in camp, northern Canada, northern Alberta, like just minus 40 type temperatures. But at least you just left alone. You're doing your thing. And five years of that, it was $100,000 a year salary, which was not bad for like a 24-year-old. Um, bought an apartment in Vancouver, just outside of Vancouver. Bought a Jeep, had another car, bought two motorcycles. Like I was acquiring stuff. I was acquiring the, I don't know, what would you call it? Success. Yeah. And when you're empty inside and when you're just hating your life, but everyone else, including your mom and dad is like, wow. congrats on being like, you're doing so great. It's the worst feeling in the world. And when I quit the rigs to go into the only thing I knew, I, I think I coped with my depression and my anxiety with through fitness. I lifted weights heavy in the morning, heavy at night. I think it was around 220 pounds, just jacked. Now I'm like 190 pounds. And I'm just like, dude, I like, I stay in shape, but I ain't like muscle man. But I was just like obsessed yeah. with building muscle. I, I coped with it that way. It was like, a, it was a, it was a shield that I was building for sure. But that's the only thing I knew. So when I quit the rigs, I started helping other guys do that and lost the apartment, had to sell it because I got into debt, started losing the cars, losing the motorcycles, like having to sell it all. But I was so happy. Um, it was an adventure. And so that's kind of where I started. And I, I knew it's not what I wanted to do forever, but it was the only marketable skill that I knew I had. And so I just went all in on it for two what, and a half years. What made you want to quit? Like, what was there like a moment outside of this that made you want to quit? Or did you, did you really want to, to jump into coaching or was no, it not, not coaching, no. excuse me, fitness or was no, it? not at all, dude. I, I quit the rigs and Leading up to that, I was standing in a circle of dudes. I was, uh, I don't know, like 24 or something. I'm standing in a circle of dudes, uh, shift change. We were 12-hour shifts, and I'm smoking a cigarette like everyone else is smoking a cigarette. Oh. I'm the youngest guy there. Most of these guys are 40, 50, somewhere 65. There was a guy named Bob, like, bless his heart, Bob. But he was retiring in two years, and he told me, I'm, I'm thinking about quitting. He's like, don't quit. You could stay up here for 40 years. You'll have a great pension. You'll retire. He was moving into a million-dollar place on Vancouver Island. He was ready to retire. I quit. Two weeks later, he died of a heart attack um, right before retirement. So, like, I'm standing around these guys, and they're all smoking. They're all bitching about their wives, or they're all cheating on their families, their wives. They're all extremely unhappy. Um, a lot of prescription medication, just alcoholism, Um Horrible to anything to cope with the pain because you're yeah. you're you're really in the middle of nowhere for four weeks of the like three weeks of the month, sometimes more. And I'm sitting there like smoking my cigarette, thinking about what I want to do with my life. And I'm just watching everybody talk about how much they hate their lives. And I was like, I gotta get out of here. Like I'm either gonna end up like those guys, and they're awesome dudes. They just your life is a series of choices. They they made some choices, they chose the easy easy route, they ended up where they were, and they were fighting their own battles. And it was the moment where I knew I was going to quit. I just didn't two mm. or three weeks later. I was, I was, I, I like broke my ribs maybe two months before that on a dirt bike accident, but I just bought a house. So I just had a mortgage and I had to go to work. So a buddy sold me, gave me a whole bunch of Percocets so I could make yeah. it through my two weeks. Next thing you know, it's like three, five, 
eight pills, a pill every hour. And at first, like, cause it's a physical job. I had to get through the pain cause I needed the paycheck. They were 5,000 our paychecks. And then on my days off, I'm starting to do this. And then two or three months later, I'm like doing it regularly just to cope with the pain mm-hmm. or whatever. And I came home to my new apartment. I just bought in Vancouver, just outside of Vancouver. And I realized like I have nobody. My girlfriend left me two months before that, three months before that. I moved in alone. I was staying there alone. I had no friends, no future, didn't know what I'm doing. Got super wasted, mixed it with prescription medication. And at two in the morning, I found myself in this super dark place where I had a shot, loaded shotgun sitting on the side of my bed being like, this is it. Like I'm so done. And I remember thinking about my mom, my dad, how they'd find me, what they'd have to say. And luckily I went to bed didn't do anything, woke up the next morning and I read, I must've picked it up in airport. I read um, Eckhart Tolle's, not the power of now, but he's got another book and read that book. And I just knew like, I need to quit. I need to change the direction of my life. I know there's more for me and this material stuff is not the answer. So I quit the rigs that day and spent about eight months doing nothing except getting into debt. Like bills are going, but I couldn't get a job. Looked at Craigslist. Could I get a job? And I was, I had no qualifications. I had no education, nothing. I could just spin pipe and, and like, and just drill for oil. Mm-hmm. So I thought, what's the one thing I can do? I got certified as a trainer. It took me four weeks, just took the cheapest certification I could find, but I got certified as a trainer as I knew that's the only thing I could do and got a job at a gym and then got my first client, I think two months later and realized that I'm, dude, I'm making 50 bucks an hour with clients. If I could just have four hours at $50 an hour, I'm making more than I could at any job. And at first it was just about that. And then I really fell in love with changing people's lives. Mm. 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 I think of like how uh, it's like a series of small steps that build towards something greater. And I'm thinking of your story and how it relates to not only the, not only where you're at today, because where you're at today is not as extreme when I hear the, I quit the rig that day. Cause I think that's one of those things where it's like, you, 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 you could have made the decision that, you know what, I'm going to spend 10 more weeks here collecting right. paychecks. What I want to ask about that. Why was it so important to quit the rig that day? Obviously this is like a life altering decision, but it's all mental at the end of the day. Well, like, dude, I almost like, I almost killed myself. Yeah. Like that, that was like, I'm like, dude, I'm 24. Yeah. Um, I shouldn't be feeling this way. And this isn't normal. Uh, all my relationships were failed. I had massive issues to deal with, massive issues from from when I was growing up, like just stuff I haven't dealt with, stuff I wasn't aware of. And I think the next eight eight months was really spent. I was in the gym like three times a day, getting those demons out, doing the work on myself, like things I've never dove into. Yeah. Um, started visiting churches every Sunday just to be in places that just felt... I was facing the demons. I spent eight months doing it. Um and I honestly didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew that being depressed every night was not, was not the answer. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, it, I think it was an extreme awakening that night um, that I'm super grateful for. And I think the, obviously there was an extreme decision made after that to just be like, dude, you're, this is stupid. You're, you're being stupid. How many more cars can you buy? Mm-hmm. How often? And, you- yeah, yeah. 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 No, go ahead. I was going to ask, do you think, do you reflect on those, that, that period of time? Yeah. All the time. Yeah. In a, well, in a positive way, as in, I mean, I'm so grateful for it. It's like the best thing that ever happened to me. I'd still be up that. there, dude. Yeah. yeah. Like, like swing it, like just, 
I, I, I went for a walk three days ago. I'm in a new place here in Squamish. It's like a new kind of development. And they're building a, um, a kind of development just down there. And I was it was maybe five in the morning. I was walking by all the generators. It was snowing. It was pretty cold. The lights, and I saw the morning crew coming in, like the trucks coming in. They're walking across the, I guess it's not called a lease, but the job site going to, you know, put on their harness and climb on up and, and bang nails or whatever. Sure. And I could smell the diesel from the generator. Um, it just like brought me back to like, I could still be up there doing this, like getting on the job site at 5am mm. and it smelled like oil. There was always diesel generators. Like it just, it was a smell to it. And I'm always grateful. And even nowadays, man, like I hear people complaining about they have to work and I'm like, dude, like you don't, you don't actually know what work is. And there's off, there's rarely days where I have 16 hour days anymore, but if shit really hits the fan and I got to jump in, like I can pull a 16 hour day and I won't complain once about it. Cause I used to do 16 hour days in minus 40 um, yeah. with no food for the day, mm -hmm. 14 or 21 days straight. So I'm grateful for it, but it definitely, it created me. Created me. It's, it, I'm never, it's never going to be that bad. So I guess the choice to take risk and do this and that becomes much easier when you go through, like everybody listening has been through something, but I think you can spin it in a positive way for sure. I want to, if we can, to, to stick with this, I want to, I want to hit on those eight months. When you think of those eight months, was it a, was it a, and I even just a search for meaning, how was it, how, when you look at those eight months of time, did things change on a whim on that eighth month or was it simply a, what, what, what was the, what was that process like where you're, cause I can relate to this in, yeah. in, in leaving um, when I left uh, my uh, role leading the, uh, a painting company, right. That I ran for four That's years right. and I exited that and immediately went from, I remember, cause I had a seven person executive team, over 200 team members that worked with us in our, in our, in our division. And I went from a hundred calls a day because I'm the person with all the experience, every, like not with all the experience, but with the most right. experience in the, in the, in the position to like not, nada, like no calls. Yeah. Yeah. And I was supposed to be having the time of my life traveling around on a road right. trip and seeing all the things to see. And I had, a, I had a good time. Don't get me wrong, but boy, are there times where it's like, what on earth am I doing? And I'm really interested for you on that sense, because we talk about a burning the bridges moment. That's not only a burning the bridges moment. You just mentioned you were really leaning into your health and you were yeah. facing those demons by exerting that energy. And you're going to the gym three times a day. You're doing those things, doing those actions. So I'm trying to put myself in the head of someone listening to this right now, who's right there. Right. In right. that eight month period. Or they're right. like, like I was where you left, you, you're, you're on not a hamster wheel. Cause that implies that it's like, you know, you're just running, but like you're, you're running to all of a sudden you're drifting and you don't feel like you have that. You have that loss of direction and yeah. loss of action. You have a combination yeah. of those two that doesn't really help your brain. Yeah. Where, what, what helped you make that realization, that transition, because frankly you needed that 18, eight months, right? Yeah. 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 Sure. Sure. I have a performance coach. I see every second uh, Friday now, and she works with professional athletes or people who were in the spotlight who are transitioning out of the spotlight and the issues that they go through as they transition from one identity to another. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it ever ends. I'm working with her because I'm changing a big piece of my identity from hustler, 
um, executor to giving up control, which to me feels like I'm in those eight months yet again, I find myself where I'm in the morning, I go for two hour walks with myself in the forest facing the demons, my control issues, um, my my trust issues, like I'm in the eight months yet again, and I don't think it ever ends. Or I hope it doesn't if you're growth minded. So and just for, for context, we're talking about your business. And this is actually part Correct. of what we have when we connected was delegating and bringing on some awesome team members who have taken over yeah. the day. Yeah. And, and, you know, we've taken the first steps and I got Sarah, who's like, she's amazing. And we've had contractors and I just want to take it to the next level of you know, mm-hmm. like, like a power team where I can step out for three weeks and things still run. And that's been really terrifying for me. And there's some stuff inside that I've been dealing with. So it never ends. So if you're listening, just know that never ends or, or it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Transition and change is good. Back when I wasn't aware of that, it was terrifying. Um, I think I, I don't, I moved about 20 minutes or 30 minutes outside of the city. That's where I bought my place. So it all worked out because I was out of the noise. Um, I wasn't distracting myself with things. I lived in what's called Coquitlam. So it's just, uh, anyway, I had like a Creek, a uh, little river running by my place, a lot of outdoor space. I went for walks. I walked to the gym all the time. I did a lot of introspection. I asked myself, started flipping from like disempowering questions to more empowering questions, trying to ask those questions of like, what's trying to emerge? What's coming through me? Like, what's the plan? What am I not seeing? Like just meditating on those questions and also facing like, why can I not be alone? Why do I always need noise? Why do I always need a girl in my life? And I spent eight, eight months alone. Um, and I don't know if that's answering the question. I'm trying to like bring up what helped me the most, but absolutely books. I got obsessed with Robert Greene at that time. Yeah. Uh, stoicism really helped me through yeah. the philosophy of stoicism really helped me through those times. Marcus Aurelius's work. Um, and, and I got super disciplined too. I remember you'll laugh at this because maybe you do this. A lot of guys do it when they're really into the gym, but I had all my supplements and my scoop of protein, I'm like OCD and I put it in um, Ziploc bags and I'd label them like one to 30 for the month. And I'd line them up along the living room wall. So I was just like disciplined of like taking my supplements, doing my exercise. If you missed a day, us human beings like to complete something. So if someone's trying to change a habit, I always get them to whip up a calendar on the wall and check off each day. And like, once you have three or four checked off, there's a part of us that really hates to see a gap and sometimes you'll just do the thing you don't want to do because you really just don't want to see a gap in the calendar. And at the end of the month, when you see a calendar that's completed with check marks, there's some satisfaction that can't be bought. I do this hack all the time to, to replace a habit. Um, so I started doing that stuff, started reading for the first time in my life, mm. uh, found it enjoyable as I was learning new perspectives about life. And it, it, it became easier. And, and anyone who's in that dark place or that in that place of transition, like, you know, you're giving up the old for the new, like, you, you know, it, you may not be able to articulate that, but you know, you are. And, and most people just simply don't like they, they choose to stay with the old because the new is too scary. And like yourself, you chose the new, you continue to choose the new, you're moving Airbnbs tomorrow for something new, giving up the old. And, um, and that's where the, that's where the juice lies, dude. That's where it lies. You know, you know, I want to ask about discipline because that was one, that was, uh, it was, um, it was a really weird, I, I felt like for me, it hit me in San Diego because the, the, I, I joked that that place is like the matrix, right? They designed it for optimal human enjoyment at 68 degrees. And it's like that every freaking day. And you do not notice yeah. that time goes by and right. in a weird way. It, it really forced me to actually crave 
boundaries because days were turning into weeks, weeks were turning into months. I, like that yeah. immediately, I can't snap. I'd snap, if I, right? So like like that. I want to ask actually for you and you're, and you're you're where you're talking right now and where you're where you're headed on your journey. What does discipline look like for you on a longer, a broader scale outside of the day to day? How do you ensure that you're moving towards your target um, that are five, 10, 20 year plans? And I love what, by the way, I love one of these quotes from your podcast. You have the Coach's Corner podcast, and um, I know you have a couple others, which we can certainly talk about. I want I, I your daily ones that you do. I think it was one of the daily ones you talked about something about leadership and I love you brought up. It's like, you know, I'm not an expert on leadership. I've got a lot coming in the next 20 years and I can't wait for them or something like yeah. that. Love yeah. that because it's such a, it, it is such a, it's such an open mindset on that front because you know what, we're all learning, we're all growing on that aspect, but I'm curious, how do you approach, how do you ensure that you're staying disciplined on your long-term aims? Yeah. And the coach that you're meeting with monthly, talking yeah. about some of those aims and things that you're sure. you're looking towards. I like I definitely invest heavily in coaching, um, definitely in masterminds. Like definitely having people who even I mean I asked Hillary and Tim two two other coaches I work with. I asked them I'm like what am I not seeing? What do you mm-hmm. see about me that that I don't see? And it hurts every time. Like they're just like this and this. And you know what? You told me you were going to do something twice now and you didn't follow through on it. So I, I take you as um, someone who doesn't follow through on some things. And I'm like, shit, like, thank you. Um, let me let me correct that. So always having perspective of other people around me. Um, I can easily sink into thinking I know everything, thinking I'm the best. I can do absolutely anything. Like, And, 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 and an element of that is, is fine to have. And I think it's healthy. But if you don't have, what do the kings have? They had the jesters, right? Or the jokers. Like no matter how big the king got, there was always someone who was the only person in the whole freaking kingdom that could whisper in the king's ear, you're small, you're going to die. You mean nothing. That robe is just, is just caught in with, with oyster blood or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. Like yeah. Just, whatever to always keep the king grounded. Um, and so I try to do that because my ego can, easily destroy me into thinking I can do anything. I bite off too much. I say the wrong things. I can be ignorant, all of that. So I'm aware of that about myself. Um, so trying to get, keep coaches and helping me get in the right direction, the mastermind we join, like anything I can get my hands on to help me level up right now it's leadership. So I'm trying to model amazing leadership, TNF, amazing leadership, um, working, working with Tim Francis, who really specializes in that unreal leadership any book I can on leadership right now. It's that who not how book by Dan Sullivan right in front of me. That's just a great get who don't ask the question, how to solve something, ask who can solve this for me and just get who's not how's Um, that. I I wouldn't say I have like a 20 year plan. Um, I have like a six to one year plan that I always keep updated, but I definitely have like a 10 year vision, a 20 year vision where I'd like to be. Uh, That's fairly loose. But the yeah. actual plan and how I'm executed on it stays fairly short term. Um, how often do you think about so it? much changes every yeah. morning? Yeah, every morning. Yeah. Do you and bring- when I don't, uh, I'm going to correct that. I do my best to think about it every morning. The days I don't, um, the days are chaos. Like I know right away that I didn't do the work in the morning. Mm. So there's, uh, I'd say probably six out of seven days. Mm. And that seventh day, even if it's a Sunday or a Saturday, we went traveling to my hometown last weekend. And on Saturday, I didn't do it. And I felt a little ungrounded all day. Um, little anxiety, didn't know, didn't yeah. know why. 
And it's because I just didn't set my compass that morning. Like I didn't reset my GPS for the trip for that day. And, and because of it, I was a little off route that day. You mind taking us through it? What you do in the mornings? How you reflect? Yeah, yeah it, it changes. My morning routines used to be massive. Nowadays, I only do one thing that I have to do and the rest can wait. But I get into a super deep state of gratitude where it's obviously a lot of people do gratitude with, with intellect and with thought. It's yeah. emotional, of course. Like gratitude is a state. It's a frequency. And I'll spend five to 30 minutes. Today was a little bit tougher to get into the state because of a few things going on. So I went for a long walk, probably took about an hour. But if I'm not in tears of gratitude over something in my life before I start the day, uh, I simply just won't start the day. It gets easier with practice. But that's like the, the, the big domino I knock over. If I can knock that over, I'm good. And then I do a walking meditation. It takes about 10, 15 minutes. Sometimes I'll do it at home. I do enjoy walking where I, I play the movie of the vision and visualization, which is something I've been practicing for six years. You can tune it to the point where you can, you it's real, man. You can close your eyes and play the movie. You can smell it. You can taste it. You start incorporating all your senses when you practice visualization, um, where you can incorporate the feel, the smell, how your skin feels with the breeze on the beach of wherever you're, wherever you're staying. Um, you can smell it. You can hear the, the, the branches whistling. It takes practice, but eventually you can play movies in your head that are just as if they're real. And I visualize kind of where we're going lately, what the team would look like as I try and figure out what that would look like. Cause that's new to me, like a bigger team, sure. what that would feel like to get the day in check-ins I was thinking about this morning. And just, I, I have people rate their energy and how happy they are. We had an interview yesterday and she's a perfect fit, but I want to, give her a few things. I want her to be so happy when she joins that she's just so grateful to show up and to be able to get those messages from people who are like, this is the best thing ever. Here's right. all the projects that I got finished. Um, being able to take four or five days off, which I've been visualizing lately, come back and things are doing better literally without me, like stuff like that to make it real. Mm. Um, so that's, that's my morning routine. I don't, I used to do all the other stuff, but I don't, I work out later in the day nowadays. Um, that's it, dude. Get into frequency. Yeah. That's my only goal in the morning. Mm. Can we, can we talk a little bit about coaching in your business? Sure. Sure. You know, you, um, I, I'm, I'm really curious for first time. Co well, can you, actually, do you mind giving a little introduction about what you guys do at, at, at not only, not only what you do with your clients, but also kind of, uh, maybe, uh, uh, complete the loop. We talked about getting you to the, um, where you, you got fit, certified as a fitness coach, kind of where you're at today. You want to fill a loop? Yeah. Kind of introduce yeah. We, we've, we've, we've got, I'm huge on alignment. It's something I've talked about, I don't know, for the last four years, but lately we've been diving deeper into that model. Um, and we'll spend four weeks sometimes with a, with a new client, with a coach, just literally like not what I want, not what Instagram has told you you want, right. not, what, not what Hollywood has kind of put into our brains, but like, actually, what do you want? Like, actually, and I think it's it's also a frequency you tune into when you actually get it right. You're like, that's what I want. And when someone finds that and like how it lights them up and what happened, like just what happens to them in, in so many levels mm -hmm. is our first step. We call that like the aligned marketing. And I take marketing that deep. Marketing is not just the words or the copy. That stuff is sort of, there's formulas to it. And it's not the most difficult thing. You can give that to someone to do. But what about inside? Like, are you aligned with that marketing? Um, who are you? What do you want? What do you stand for? What's your creed? So the first part of our model is aligned marketing. 
we moved into aligned sales, which is the actual sales process. We do sales pages and we create um, any little tools that move somebody from like, oh, I really like this person. I'm aligned with them. I love their marketing. I love what they're talking about mm-hmm. into a 20 or 30 minute presentation into whatever tool they may use that's aligned with them uh, to move into a conversation. Then we do aligned delivery, which is a program design. We do a lot of group coaching and one-on-one coaching, depending on how someone wants to structure it. And then the thing that I take care of the most is the kind of loop around the whole thing was aligned energetics, your actual identity. Um, mm-hmm. We do Tuesday calls all, all around energetics with clients. Um, so that, that's literally what we do. How do we package up a gift that goes well beyond just wanting a business? To me, the business comes second, but it's like, how can we monetize this gift inside you? A lot of our clients have been through something uh, much like I have, much like most people do. And they know that they could give back in some big way, but the skills to do that are lacking um, and the mentorship and the, and the aspect of that. So that's what we do. I, I focus a lot on the energetics. Sarah focuses a lot on the sales and marketing. She's the most brilliant marketer you'll ever meet. She wasn't at the gathering because of um, Canadian border rules at the time, but she's brilliant. She works with her clients on her copy and all that stuff. Mm. And mm. yeah. And, and after, after fitness, I moved into a lot of the mindset stuff. That stuff has always fascinating i can never could you could you illustrate for 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 myself and the audience sorry to cut you off but i know yeah yeah you're gonna roll with this because i'm i'm really we find this all the time not only with our own clients but it's it's a it's a prevalent thing and i think the reason i want to ask you the question is because a lot of people knock it and i also think it might be fair to knock it a little bit too which is the simple fact that when some, it, the, it's really the changing of, I go, I go back to psycho cybernetics with, with Maxwell Maltz and, and yeah. just the reshaping of someone's identity and focused around, you have to have a, the, the mindset has to shift if you're going to get somewhere new. So how do you do it? Why is it so important? Like when people hear us, like people like yourself and myself talking about this, preaching about it. Yeah. It's very easy also to say, oh, this stuff is overpreached. It's more about X, Y, and Z and the things that are, you know, important down the line, all that other stuff, right? Yeah. Why is it fundamentally something that holds entrepreneurs and high performers back? Yeah. And and I want to start by putting my hand up because I want to stay in full alignment that like I'm always in that mess. Like there's always the next level for me. I'm relentless in the pursuit of. So I am always in the mess. I I think a lot of times coaches are like, they don't want to admit that. And then there's a little bit of, cause I used to do that. I'm perfect. I got it all. And there was massive misalignment with that. Cause I don't dude. like, I don't like, like I don't, we, we like, we have so many changes going on. I have alignment thing that I've been really for about the last six weeks. Here's just to illustrate, to be fully transparent. The last six weeks has been probably the most painful six weeks spiritually and emotionally I've been through over the last four years as I've asked the really big question of why am I doing this? Mm. Uh, because it, for a little while it became about, I think some of the wrong reasons is that, and as I've developed, I've, I've been dying. My soul's been dying to inject some spiritual um, injection into what it is we do. So I was like, should we scrap this business and build a whole new business around this? Should we build another program? Or can I inject it with clients that we're doing now? So finally, about a week, I started getting out of this where I was like, okay, we're going to inject it with clients we currently work with and test and tweak this new sort of, mm, uh, I guess, model that I want to play with. 
um, get really good feedback. And that may develop into a whole separate program. It may develop into a whole separate company or who knows, it may just rewire and, and rewatch the whole thing. So I'm always in it. I think what most people are lacking is like a clear vision. Like, what is it you want to create? A lot of people are all about taking massive action, which I'm all for. Mm-hmm. Uh, like if, if, if like, I hope you possess where if I tell you I can outwork you, I hope if you're listening, you're like, you can't, I would outwork you. Like, that's a good thing to have. Um, it, it's a good thing to have. It's a trait you have to have. But if you're just, dude, if you're, I spent six years on the rigs, it's not for nothing, but I worked really hard and it didn't get me anywhere. Um, I did more in eight, eight months where I wasn't actually doing any work, but I saw more progress in my life doing nothing. I may have been losing some material things, but inside I healed or I started my healing journey that continues to this day. So a lot of people just want to take massive action. And I, I, I laugh at myself because like six years ago, every quote I had was like, just do it, crush it. That was my level of, of consciousness of my evolution. I just understood swing the hammer, swing the bat. But as I've evolved, I realized it's, it's stupid. Um, like it's really stupid. If you don't, if you don't know what you're doing, why you're doing it, like, dude, take two weeks off. Like, just don't do anything. Um, and so I think that's, that's kind of step one for sure. And I think a lot of people are really scared to ask that question. If you've built a career or you've been climbing a ladder and that question, like I've had to go through is opening up the potential for having to get off that ladder and build a new ladder. It's, it's really scary for people. Um, but, but just to give you some perspective is we're on a spinning ball of God knows what this is, rock and lava and some water. And dude, we're, we're ripping through space at speeds. We can't even fathom around this ball of fire. That's who knows when that's going to extinguish in this galaxy and this freaking universe that we don't even know how it got created. We don't know why we're here. Like the mystery of life is so overwhelmingly beautiful that if you just sat down and thought about it for a second and then zoom back into your little 80 year time span you have on this infinite god knows how many years this whole thing has been around and you have this little flicker of time and it's over dude i don't know how old you are but i remember 10 years ago like it was yesterday and when i'm 60 i'm gonna remember this conversation with you and me like it was yesterday and i'm gonna be like where did all that time go and if I'm to create something meaningful and do something meaningful, then the choices I make today better lead me towards that. There's, there's scary choices. So I guess that just keeps me lit. Um, and, and so many people are just so scared to keep what they have when, dude, you don't, you, you're going to die. You're going to be naked and you're going to be thrown in the dirt or whatever else they're going to do to your body. And it's done, at least in this physical plane, who knows what else is left. So I, I guess I just think about that all of the time. It's a very stoic type philosophy and, and thought process, but I'm literally always thinking about I'm probably going off topic a little bit here, but yeah. Yeah. You, you are the topic of the podcast. So I think, I think it fits you, you, uh, there's this book. Um, if you've ever read it, it's uh, the defining decade by, uh, okay. Dr. Jay. she talks, it's really about your twenties and specifically about really, um, um, last couple generations and how I think a huge focus. I remember the book was about, really just how defining your 20s are and how 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 interesting it is when you zoom out and you look at everyone's lives it, it really slows down outside of your 20s in terms of your um what did she put it it was like uh see now i'm going to depress some people who are who are who are, who are outside of the 20s but my, my point of it is, is not this what well, my point of it is actually one of the reasons she said it happens is because uh something like uh when when a couple moves in together uh, if they're not married, 
it actually becomes over time easier to get married as huge of a commitment that is it's easier to go that route than it is to tear it all down because you have a dog you have the furniture you have the thing right that right it seems to have so much weight when sure when you look at the gravity of we are on this as you put it spinning ball on this universe and you have this you have this you say, you say we may have 80 years, but who knows if we have another 80 minutes, right? We never know what's going to happen. So why do we put so much weight on some of these things that are, as we would call them possessions, but temporary things? And I think it's, I think it's because we naturally conform to our environment. And the challenge of breaking out of your own mindset is you are, you are conformed to things that aren't even a bad thing to conform to, but they keep you in a comfortable place that's not going to allow you to be able to look at things the way you need to look at them. If you're going to be the leader that you need to become. Yeah. And, and you said most of your audience is in, in their twenties. Like, dude, like you, you may have a family, you may not, but like you have even more power in your twenties to like make mistakes that you can easily recover from. Um, now I'm really setting up for like, okay, I want to get out of this hustle mode that I've been in in six years. I have no problem doing that and move into building something greater than myself. Like, dude, we'll hit 60, 70, $80,000 months. And that just doesn't matter to me anymore. If it means I have to work 10 hours a day, I'd rather work right. four hours a day and do that, which is my goal. And which is what we're really working towards right now, because I want a family the next two years and I want to set them up to have a more comfortable life than I had. Um, my parents immigrated. I was born in Italy actually. And they immigrated here and we lived in an apartment, lived in a trailer park. And like, it was a little sporadic and that built me and my kids are not going to have it easy. I don't care if I've got 50 millis sitting in the bank, you're not getting a car at 16. You're getting a bus pass. You're not, dude, we're, we ain't staying in the five-star hotels when you're young. We're going to experience all of it. Like I'm going to make sure we're staying. And I want to, I want, you're going to see it all and understand how well you have you, how good you have it. But the point is that I'm, I'm trying to set up for that now and I'm 33. So I can, I can course correct. If I was 40, um, of course, like my decisions might be a little bit different, especially if I have mouths to feed, but you can still make courageous decisions and move forward and build something. Uh, and I can't speak about that. Um, I haven't experienced that. I can only theorize about if you're 40, 50, what you have to do. But if you're 20 listening to this or 25 or 30, like shame on you. And I'm going to shame you because that's a pretty powerful emotion sometimes, but don't stay in it, move up into anger and courage and move up your, your map of consciousness. But like, dude, you've got, you've got so many opportunities right now, especially with the internet. Like it's, it's ridiculous. The opportunity that never existed before. And for you to sit there and ask what if, um, is, is, is weak. Hmm. Wow, there's a lot I could say to that. We're going to the cigar lounge tonight to to talk about the internet. I'm not even kidding. It's a good. It's a dude. It's a beautiful tool. Elon Musk got his all all his satellites spinning up in the planet. Like that's a little kid in in a third world country will now have access to the marketplace, which is so damn awesome. It's gonna help everybody else level up, and the fakers will be kicked out. Right. We're, well, we're at the beginning. That's a great point. We're at the beginning, which is really, really a, a strange thing to think about with this, with the whole internet game. Um, not a game, the, the internet. Yeah. Uh, we're only 20 years into this thing still. Yeah. I and, know. It's, it's fun, man. It's, it's, we, we chose, I truly believe we chose to be here, like at this moment, like our souls or our spirits. And at some point, me and you were just like, dude, this will be a fun ride. I want to choose to, to live yeah. out this part of, the, the, the evolution 
Yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting. It's, it, it, it doesn't matter what, what you believe or the audience believes in this sense, because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about this and I'm trying to remember where this, um, I remember who I heard it from, but I, I can't, I can't put a name as to where specifically it's pulled from. I don't know if it's from the Bible or if it's from something, something along those lines. They, I don't think it is, but it's, um, it's the idea that when, when you were create your creator, came to you before you were this is a, this is a radical idea we're really going there on the get after podcast this is this is a little i love it there's nothing I talk about this stuff all the time this is like my jam yeah you, you know <laughs> you know we, we we talk about it's like you you imagine yourself as as infinite energy you are you're up above and away from everything and this is before your time and um god comes to you or your creator comes to you and says i have this mission i have this route that I need you to do. I need you to become, I need you to go down. You're going to become this person. You're going to go to earth. You're going to become this person. You're going to go through all of these things. You're not going to remember that this has ever happened. You're not going to know that this existed before you're going to be down there. And this is what you're going to have to do. Can you do that for me and for this, for this greater mission? And the idea is that you said yes. And that's why you're here today, going through that mission, going through whatever it is, whatever the aim is, whatever it is that you're going. And to me, the reason I share that, it's comforting a little bit in the sense that you have to remember that it's, I, 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 I am a believer that things happen for a reason, both the good times and the bad, the tough things in the middle and, the, and, and wherever it is, the push and pull of where you're at. You're intended to go through those for a reason. And frankly, a lot of our time here is going to be spent, spent pursuing understanding that reason, which we, we may never get. And I think yeah. the best thing you can do is almost detach yourself from trying to fully understand it and get more to a adventurous spirit where, you know, who knows when you're finally going to discover it or if you ever will. But if you live your life in a way every day as if you are on that purpose, um, how could you even ever let the little things get to you in the moment when you're on this, you're on this mission, you're doing something that's so important and vital uh, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. I love that, dude. You said one thing in there that I think people should listen to is everything happens for a reason. Um, and if anything else, even if you don't fully believe it, like choose to mouth those words or choose to accept maybe that concept until you do believe it. I, I fully believe it because A, I do believe it and B, not believing it just creates more pain. Pain and suffering are two different things. Pain is growth. Suffering is in the mind. A lot of people suffer and they think pain is suffering, but pain is completely separate from suffering. Suffering is made up. Um, so I choose to walk into pain every day. Suffering, I, I nip in the bud pretty quick if I can. I, I make sure I'm always working on my thoughts and what I'm thinking, what I'm focusing on. That being said, I'm, I'm extremely, correct my language, in the past, I've been extremely not patience. I've been impatient. And lately I've been really working on that because that's been something I need to step into, especially when you have other people doing things, they may not do it as well as you. And you've got to show patience and, and grace and understanding. And something I've been constantly, probably 10 times a day is like, what's the best way to build patience. And it's to be put in situations where you don't read about it. You don't study it. You don't learn the theory of it. You don't watch YouTube videos about it. Yeah. You sit in the grocery store line when it's COVID and everyone's wearing these masks and I'll, I'll reserve my judgment of that. And it's a lineup and everyone's taking their time and there's all these precautions and all these things. And you have to stand there for 30 minutes, which should take two minutes. 
and I just smile. I'm just like, this is, this is my training ground. Like I'm going to stand here. I'm going to smile. I'm going to look past these masks. I'm going to think like, it's just, I'm just going to practice this thing. And I think I find myself in impatient situations or, or situations that test my patience every day, but it's my training ground. And and everything that when I, I laugh about everything that happens in our lives is literally meant for us. And I truly believe that for our evolution. And many people just say, nah, like, that's fine. I don't want that. Mm-hmm. When your very growth is the seed of your growth or the, the, the next step of your evolution is if you say yes to that. Um, and, and most people are turning that away, which is unfortunate, which is why entrepreneurship is such a beautiful medium for self-expression and for self-development because you you have to say yes if you're going to expand and make money and it puts you in uncomfortable situations over and over so you can evolve how uh asking about your your not only the 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 work that you're doing today can we talking about is it's coaches university right that's your program yeah that's our main program we have two we have coaches you and then we have legacy um, talking to a gentleman about that, but that's really one off. We'll, we'll work with two or three clients on that. It's a six month gig. Mm. What's the biggest? Because I, I, I'm thinking, and and I'm, I'm really what I was trying trying to drive towards is how do we drive this back into our our audience? And I think of I think of a just a, a some 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 general themes I see from the listeners of this podcast, which is that um, people have not only the potential to be great leaders. I, I, well, okay, let me let me start here. How, how do you define a coach? Because this is something that is is relatively, I want to say, uh, new, and it's going to boom with the internet era, right? Like we're, it's, we're, it's a, I talk about this actually in my in my book with a shameless plug, the Get After Book, which we're we're we're. Ooh, we're is that out? No, you're working on it. You know, um, I don't know if you know uh, uh, Leandre uh, Larue. She's uh, he's in. Uh, yes. Yeah. Program. He's fin- he's putting the finishing touches on the uh, manuscript on the editing side, and we're getting we're getting cool. Close. We're cool. getting close. Um, Congrats. I'm I'm you know it's funny. I wrote it while I was traveling. Excuse me. And I shelved it for a little bit, and now we're we're ready to launch, and it feels like the right time to do it. Where I'm actually I'm fired up for it. It's really it's a it's a whole thing. It's the story of us building a, a, a three million dollar painting company in four years, right? It's really cool. the, the lessons and all the mistakes that we made in doing it. But cool. it goes back to about how to really what's happening now, which is what I'm calling kind of the loose term is the industrial decentralization. We had the uh, mecca of the industrial revolution in the 1920s. This is why we had the Roaring Twenties. We came out of the we came out of the uh, of the of the of World War One, coming back to a country that had gone through, gone through, and frankly, the entire West had gone through this industrial Mecca. And now they had this glitzy glamour of, uh, of the roaring twenties that we know of, but that was really the result of about 40 years of industrial innovation that then was commercialized and, and capitalized right. and a lot of these things, a lot of different forces at will. And now we're seeing a, a, an almost opposite effect in that industrial, um, standards and norms and ideals of the way of doing things and the, and the big, like, um, how do you put it, the institutions of such, uh, people are more comfortable doing business with people that they know and they've met on the internet than they've ever been before. And it's only going to get yeah. further and you're building out totally different funnels and brands and ways that people are going yep. to get much more aligned to use your term, like really not that's your term, but you know, yep. to really get yep. aligned with what, what grooves for them. So 
as I do that whole stampede of what I just went on there, I want to ask you what your definition of coaching is. What does it mean to be a coach? Yeah, I think you, you said it with the word leader. There's so many different niches and industries and then coaching, then you got consulting, and then you got hybrid models of that. Yep. Um, you know, and, and I think I just kind of put it all under one umbrella is like, you're showing up as a leader for people. Um, I think as, as, as people, like you said, the industrial, what did you call it? The decentralization of indu the in industrialism and even education. Yeah. Um, people are yeah. trusting universities less. I think our religious institutions, people may be questioning religion yet tapping deeper into spirituality. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so those, those old religious type of, of leaders as amazing as they are and still so much to learn from, but let's just say the last 2000 years of, 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 you know, Christianity and, and, and Jesus, who was a great leader and, you know, like great books, beautiful stuff. But I think as people are becoming less and less black and white, like I'll use the word brainwashed. That's just my own opinion. Of course, you, you make your own opinion of, of whatever it is I say. But I think that as that's happening, people are looking to people like yourself or other people to lead them through micro parts of their life. And a coach kind of comes alongside someone um, is, is, is their guide through that. Maybe they're going through a dark forest and they don't have a flashlight. They don't have any tools. And you know what, here's a flashlight. I'm not going to tell you the way, but how about you look around? Cause I think you're going to find a box and have a look and they're going to look and they're going to find a box. They're going to open the box. And it's kind of a guide. Um, not, not the raw, raw leader of like, I'm going to lead from the front. I'm going to tell you exactly what to do. And you just follow me blindly and don't question me. I, and I start every coaching session and end every coaching session with like, don't believe anything I say. Um, think about it after we're done, make mm. your own decisions. And I constantly ask, how does that feel? Does that feel true? I'm not here to tell you what to do. I can't, I don't know you like, and there's so many ways to do anything. If you're building a business, there's so many ways you don't have to do it that way does that feel true to you? And if you're not sure, let's try it and let's see what it feels like. Um, instead of building a prison of things you don't want to do because you've just been told to do it this way. I do content marketing. We, we don't have conversations through DEMs. I've never had a sales team. We sell 5,000, 6,000, 7,000 things straight off sales pages, no conversation ever. I've been told mm -hmm. that, hey, that doesn't work, but it always felt true to me. And so I was able to build out the infrastructure for something that if I wanted to run a business solo, which is what I wanted. Now that's changing. Yeah. And that's what I wanted. I want a $50,000 a month business that I could run solo, not have to sell and create a marketing machine that educates people. And then they can choose to buy it or not. No pressure. And I just chose, that's why we create so much content. Cause I find myself, I do, I'm a content marketer and that's what I wanted. And that's what I want to continue doing, which is a, I want a, a team member that we want to bring on. That's just, content so how do you get it out to more people let's up the level of content like we're we're a i have a coaching company but i also have a media company in a way and we produce media we produce radio aka podcasts video youtubes all that stuff so i hope that answers the question is like a coach is a leader but not the old style of leader religious leader political leader it's well, really you're bringing the things that are important that need to be you're you're helping somebody get the rest of the way there, right? They're, they're yeah. already out there trucking in the snow and you're helping, hey, stay on this path or, you know, push a little bit this way, right? You're really- There's questions, man. Like if anyone's getting into coaching, keep writing or thinking or investigating or invite you to look at questions. Like the better questions you can ask as a coach, the better your clients are going to do. 
it's not about knowing things necessarily, although it helps to know the way. Yeah. But it's about asking those questions. And so I, I remember like five years ago when I was getting into coaching, I just bought or went on the internet constantly looking at coaching questions, different ways to, to lead a client through questioning processes and questions. I just literally created a little guide that we just shared with clients of like really awesome questions you can ask to guide someone through sessions. Um, and I think even a lot of coaching, we get, we get a lot of trained coaches. They've been through some sort of certification training, but they're never, they're never really asked or they're never really shown or taught in my opinion, great coaching. Like they understand some tools and modalities. They understand different exercises they can run clients through, but at least from my experience, most of the time they have to unlearn most of that and tap into we'll call it leadership. Yeah. It's not the simplest way to put it. Maybe well, that's complicated, but that's what I got. Well, it's funny. No, 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 no. You, you, you did a great job actually illustrating it because we'll also as coaches, we want to be simple and it's the, because yeah. that's the, when you overcomplicate things, it just overcomplicates things. It just actually makes it worse. Right. And right. It's a, yeah. I remember you're not a consultant. You're actually just helping them get to the right direction. They're the ones who are going to, I love what you said there. It's not my job to come up with a solution they created the problem. So only they are going to be able yeah. to find this. And there's a time, like I'll ask sometimes, because sometimes the situation calls for maybe consulting. And I'll be like, would you like a coach consultant right now? I could, I could tell you what I would do and what to do, or would you like to go through this journey, this process alone? Most of the time people are like, I'm coaching. But there's a time and place like, hey, I've been through this exact same thing. And you have to understand the person. This is what I think people are doing a poor job of as well. It's like, you really have to understand the person. Cause if you don't like what you've been through and how you did it actually doesn't help them at all because they have a whole different personality. They have a whole different desires. They have a whole different, like trying to force someone to do video when they hate every aspect of it. And it's not limiting beliefs. They've literally actually just like, I don't want to build a business where I have to be doing video all the time. Like it's, it's just not going to work. You can't tell somebody to do it. That's consulting, but it's, it's missing the mark. I think you have to understand the person, their individual needs, their desires, their fears. And then you could start the questioning process of like, what's it look like for you? Yeah. I, I think my audience has probably heard me talk on this before. I think of it like uh, with book recommendations. Um, right. Same thing. Specifically like when, when someone especially someone I know you're you're like myself we we, we, we we're, we're readers and I'm, I think of somebody who's a little bit uh less um uh just just doesn't read as much or whatever the case would right. be um I see it all the time well it's just you know it's and there's nothing there's nothing wrong with this but like you, you read something and it's like this is the best book and you tell everyone about it I know this right. is this is what I did with the this book extreme ownership by uh, right by Lincoln yeah like that. That's a good book. So good. What's that? Good book. And everyone good book, so. when I bring this up and well, and you know, it's, it's really, it, 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 it changed my life and my business when I read it. Um, it but it was situational. It is all under circumstance, right. the way that we perceive a book. And, and when, when someone says that it's the best book ever, there's nothing new under the sun. A lot of it, almost anything that you go for is going to be similar. It's going to be regurgitate information from something. There's really yeah. few original, like uh, I'm putting my book out. I'm sure there's going to be so much overlap from every other place that I'd have to copyright sure. many things. Right. That being said, 
for me, the reason extreme ownership hit so hard, I was, I, I failed as a leader. And while fixing the problem and listening to the book, I recognized something was my fault that I had been pushing to my team. Um, and it was, it was a high level moment of leader. It was, it was, it was a, you know, finding a lot of success in business, hitting a stride and then wait a second. Oh my gosh, this is totally just the wrong approach for something that I need to be moving forward. It was a very big eureka moment that wouldn't have hit if I hadn't read the book at the exact moment and gotten out of it, right. out of it. Right. So it's, a, it's similar in what you're, what we're talking, the, the discussion on coaching. And it's also why it's so important for coaches and frankly, entrepreneurs to niche down, right. At the same totally. time, really to focus on that specific audience. How do you help? And really specifically, how do people new into coaching find their stride? And, and I, I ask you this a little selfishly with our clients. Sure. We, have, um, we, we always say it's like, you know, as you're getting your first, your first clients, you, you have the wisdom. And our, our clients are easy in the sense that they have a book. These people have wisdom and experience that yes. they don't have to. There's no question around it. We all have imposter syndrome. Let's throw it out the door. You've got some, yes. great, some awesome market validation. But frankly, when it comes down to um, the impact that they're making and the offer that they have and, and who they're working with, a lot of it comes to play with, you know, you getting, if you're going from a zero client situation, we have to understand that we are not going to have all the pieces together. And when we have four five, six reps and being able to work with people on what it is that you think you can offer, you're going to have yeah. such a more clear idea as you begin to work with those clients, how yeah. to be able to take this to the next level in terms of the transformation you can provide. You have any tips or anything specific? Yeah somebody who's just getting started or even just has a few clients, how do you hone in on that, that unique, that I, I think of it like the 20%, you know, it's the 80 yeah. 20 thing, right? Like what's the 20% that gets you into your genius? Zone? Yeah. You're like, you're, you're kind of DNA. You, you, as I was talking about, the first thing that came up is as you've been interviewing me or just asking me questions, I try to get on as many of these as I can. Yes. To serve. Yes. To help. But it's selfish as well as I always end up with an idea or I say something or I've been asked a question that I've, never really looked at it that way. And I'm like, Ooh, mm. that's smart. I'll probably go through the recording and I'll jot down a few things or I'll send this to Sarah and be like, Hey, is there anything here? That's like different, unique. I always get a new idea. And so I guess our coaches we work with are a little bit spoiled as in they have a community. But one thing we push is like, Hey, work with the other coaches in here, like have a session, hold space and just work. And through doing it, you hone in your unique process. Mm. I think a lot of people are trying to build their, Mm, their coaching practice in a vacuum and they watch Tony or Brandon Bouchard, or they watch you want Mel Robbins, or they just, they just watch other coaches read books, which is great. But mm -hmm. I think by doing it, you'll find your unique process. And I don't recommend working with people necessarily for free because they don't really care. Like they won't fully put the effort into it. Um, we will sometimes recommend to clients of like, Hey, if you know some people who could really benefit, charge them $250, but it goes to charity. Like they know that you're not taking any of the money, but it's going to $250. You have two or three charities. Um, you can even share with them the exact link and they send you a receipt of like, Hey, I donated $250 because now their skin's in the game and you can be fully transparent and authentic with your friends and family or people close to you that you're not doing this for money, but you're doing it for their best interest to actually put the skin in the game. So I would never work with anyone for free. If you're just starting, I honestly wouldn't, unless you're in a community, like if you are in a mastermind or you're in a coaching program or something, like make the most out of it and reach out to other people and be like, Hey, 
Um, I really want to practice my coaching. I want to practice my questions I've got. Could you help me with my process? And I find most people make their stride or they find their stride through doing that. They find their unique approach. They find their rhythm. On the other hand, like get on interviews or create content. You'll find your voice. You'll find what, like your little quirks. You'll get natural on camera. So you'll figure out like your thing. I think trying to formulate it intellectually, there's an absolutely time and place for that when it comes to a marketing perspective and creating a USP and trying to differentiate yourself. But if you don't know who you are, like, dude, you, you can't, like, you, you, like, it's impossible. You could have the best marketer working with you, but it's, you can't, or it's, it's, it's not, it's not authentic. We call it the DNA. Like, how are you different? How is your approach new or at least perceived new? And then are you being authentic, the DNA of your coaching business? And if you're not different, or if you're not, if you're not differentiating yourself, you're, you're going to have a problem. If you're not presenting something in a new way, it could be an old concept, like your book, you're taking something that's probably out there, but you're making it new in a way that your audience will relate with it. Awesome. And then are you being fully authentic, fully aligned? And if you're not, we got to look at that. So th there is an element of doing, and dude, there's, there's a hustle involved, like get clients. Your first five have family, charge them $250 for a session high price. So you get used to charging a lot, but donate to charity and make it known. What's your favorite charity? Would you donate it to? If oh. they say no, they don't want it. Don't work with them. Yeah. Work with five people, find your process, work with a few paying clients. And then once you find your rhythm, um, move up from there. You know, I, I, it's, it's, it's the intention behind it. Right. Cause I think about it, it's like, what are you looking for? What's the point of your first few clients is the point it's like uh, when I was like, when I was hustling, joining, um, trying to figure out, uh, um, you know, uh, covering credit card payments and stuff like that. It's like yeah. you, you, your, your brain makes you want to think about that, but is the problem really the payment or is the problem if you, if you don't grow the business, if you're not working with people, what's the bigger thing that's going to be a bigger detriment in your life? It's obviously yeah. the people and the work yeah. that you're doing. If you're, if you're yeah. intentional about it, that's, what's going to, that's, what's going to hit you much more than an interest payment on a credit card or whatever the case so, would be. You know, I, I, cause I think about this in the sense of like those first five clients, you really want, um, you, you really want your, you want information. You want to learn about yourself, your client, your customer, whatever the case would be. So you can't have that scenario with a free or a beta client that's for free and not paying because 100. that client is not in any way, shape or form, have any skin in the game to actually make the change. Yeah. So I love what you just proposed though, for the charity attribute where it's like, what a good excuse to get some intel and get results and understanding and confidence behind yourself and your offer where you can slowly inch up the prices as more demand comes through and as you communicate that offer. There's a hidden benefit to this too, is if you work with someone for free, this is what some coaches do is I'll work with you for free for four weeks. And they work with a client who kind of half asses it, but doesn't really show up. It kind of does their thing. And then you're like, Hey, would you like to continue? And they're obviously a no, but let's say someone you, you charge a thousand dollars. It goes to charity because you're really transparent. Hey, kind of new to this. My regular places would be $2,500. I'm going to charge half or a beta launch. Or I'm going to do a thousand dollars. It's all going to charity. I want nothing of it, but I want you committed to it. And then I'm committed to you because I know you've paid. Um, and more times than none at the end of that, if you over deliver for this client, they've paid, they've proven they'd be a paying client. And when that relationship is over, whether it's a few sessions or a few weeks or a month, 
you can move into the chances of you moving into your actual first few paying clients that pay you is drastically improved because you're in front of the right audience at that yeah. point. And a lot of our clients, it just transitions into, I love working with you so much. Mm. Um, mm. I'd love to keep working with you. Okay. There's no weird talk about money. They've already paid. Now it's just great. Now you're paying me, not charity. And it's only five clients, man. That's like, that's like, that's like four weeks of work and you're getting testimonials at the same time. You can make that known upfront. Always make your intentions known. The one thing I'd also love um, is, is if I can over deliver, which I know I will. And if I can serve you, which I know I will. And right. if you're satisfied, which I know you will be, dude, I'll work. I'll do whatever it takes. We just had a client who upped their prices to 7,500. They were scared shitless. And we're like, take half payment up front and half payment at the end of the eight weeks. Best case, you're getting $33,000. You're serving your client. And if they're total flakes and they disappear on you, you're still getting paid the same amount you would have got paid because we just doubled your price. Right. Chances are you're going to over deliver for them. They're going to pay you and you're going to make double the money. You're going to have double the impact. Your clients are going to be super happy and you're proving to them don't like once you're confident with this, he'll only do this a few times, then he'll stop doing it and he'll charge it all up front. Sure. But like you've, 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 yeah. So there's, there's an element of kind of like hustle, but if you have conviction and you believe in what it is you're doing, like you fully believe you can get a result, like half now, half later, half at the end when we're done. And if you don't feel satisfied, you don't pay me a dime. What about, what about for the, we got some college students that I know listen to this podcast, people who are just getting out, figuring some things out, want to, you got to, it's a, it's an interesting path. Cause if you're finished at school, you, you, yeah. you could have that, you know, I, I think I, I know it's not even that you think, you know, you could deliver the results and you yeah. know, you would enjoy the work, but I have this opportunity to potentially go and do maybe it's a corporate job, whatever the case is, go down the line and use my leverage, my degree to be able to potentially go get a job at a bigger company where, you know what, I'm not really sure if I'm super passionate. I want to be an entrepreneur, whatever the case would be. I'm really describing a terrible avatar for you because that would mean they're very wishy-washy. Let's say somebody who really enjoys their craft that thinks they could be coaching, um, but they also want to do this. What's the answer? Is it a mix of both or is it, should we try, do we not, do we shelve the idea of the coaching ideal or do we, you know, what, what, what's an ideal thing? Dude, what's, what's, I, th- I think, can I read, can I make sure I understood the question? So yeah, you are. And let me actually unpack it. What leads to your youngest clients that jump in coaches universities? What gets them there? Because by the time they're in coaches university, they are defined. They, they are confident to really be able to bet on themselves to be able to get there. So sure. what gets them there in the younger sure. move? Sorry. Yeah. I think, okay. I, so I think I'll, I'll start it with like, you know, Roosevelt's speech of like the, the man in the arena. Yeah, sure. Sure. Of course. And I, I used to read that every day. Cause I was like, I was a spectator and I was moving into the arena and it was the most yeah. terrifying thing ever, like for most of us. So I used to read that over and over. I had it printed out on my printer. Cause I used to print out contracts and I used to do like drive house to house to train clients for like 30 bucks a session. It was ridiculous. But I, so I was always on my printer printing out forms and whatever. Yeah. And I had it right above my printer and I read it as much as I could. And I guess, so I can't say this is my idea and maybe I picked up other ideas somewhere, but we just call it like you have your spectator you have the person in the arena and then you have the players and that is your audience. You have some people who are spectators. They're throwing tomatoes or they're laughing or they're cheering and they're easily swayed to the different team. And they're just sort of like, dude, they, they ain't buying. Like they're not moving. 
And if I can sense for a second that someone's still a spectator, like I just won't sell them. We won't use persuasion. We won't use influence. It's why we have podcasts and why we have content heavy on the content marketing. Because my job for someone in the a spectator is to inject belief, inject, show them what's possible and move them from like trembling as a spectator into moving in the arena. And then once they're in the arena, they don't, they're, they're playing the game in mad respect. And that's who we serve. But they're, they're kind of, don't throw me the ball. Like they don't really want the ball or they don't want to take the winning shot. They kind of hang out on the outskirts or they want to be like outfield. They, they don't want, they don't want the power plays. They don't want, they don't want to be in the action, but at least they're in the arena. What did you call that? You had spectators, players. And what was this third option? Uh, we have, we have spectator and then we have in the arena and then we have actual players. Those are like the pros. Yep. Those are like people in the game, fully committed. They've, they're all in. Um, I choose to market to people in the arena because they have belief that they can do it, but they're not fully sold on it or they have a little doubt. They need help. They know they have a problem. They're kind of aware that the problem is big enough, but maybe some of my content still has to educate them on that. Or maybe we've got a webinar that'll educate them on that. Mm. And to move them into a conversation and talk about the problems and show them what's possible. The bulk of our ideal clients are those. Then you have like the players and players are, I think most people are trying to market to the players and that's great, but it's a saturated place up there where everyone is pitching their stuff to them. They're on webinars all of the time. They're looking at a whole bunch of different people. They're they're It's busy up there. Whereas in sure. the arena, it's like if your content, which is why I love content marketing, you can build an audience that really starts trusting you and starts tapping into your content. Mm. And by the time they're ready to move in and be like, I'm all in, I'm going to become a player. You're like the only choice. It's a beautiful transaction. It's why we're able to sell $5,000 programs with no sales involved, like just a sales page because the trust is so high. It's a longer term game. And I don't think this is answering your question, but I wanted to bring that up because someone who's out of college kind of wants to do it, kind of not. They sound like they're in the arena. They might need a little education. They might have to get real with like, what is the best path? Mm. Going all in doesn't, at least in my opinion, it doesn't always mean burning the boats. It could in certain situations, but it doesn't always. Going all in could mean you still have kids or you have a family to take care of. So you're all in is... You're going to negotiate with your boss. You're going to go from 40 hours to 30 hours in the office, 10 hours at home. So you can, and no calls, no emails from work on the weekend. You'll take a pay cut for it. But now on the weekend, you can work on your business. You have a conversation with the wife, with the kids that says, um, dad's going to be really busy. And my weekends for the next six months are taken. But once a month, I want to take the whole family out for just a day on us, whatever it takes. That's all in. Or all in could mean you're 22 and you're like, F it, I'm all in and I'm burning all the boats. I, 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 I quit the rigs. I still had a few days left to do the rigs. And I remember like there's an engineer. And once, you, you're, once you're bad with an engineer, it's hard to get a job. The engineer worked for Talisman. No, uh, yeah, I think it was Talisman. Anyway, it doesn't matter. And I was working for Akita Drilling. And I did everything to get fired the two days before. I like they send command, like they, they tell the Derek hand what to do. I just did everything opposite. I basically told him to go F himself. I did donuts in the loader right in front of the shacks with all the engineers. They basically blacklisted me from the oil industry because I never wanted to go back. And I knew that if I'm not burned the boats, the chances of me coming back when I really need money, were going to be high because you can make 10K in like four weeks. So I, I went all in, but I was 24. Um, someone from college, they'd have to ask themselves like, 
what's your risk tolerance? What are you willing to accept? Maybe you'd like to move forward in some kind of career, but work on your business on the side, if that's right for you. And then you set parameters. I get my first three clients and that'll be my signal to actually, you know what, I'm going to go all in with this. And I really love, so a lot of our clients, some of our clients are part-time in the coaches use, some are full-time, some are all in, some are dads, some are moms, some are wives. Um, we always ask them like, what do you want? And what would support you best? Because for a young punk like me to tell you, just quit everything yeah. is, is doing you a massive disservice. I would have said that five years ago, but nowadays I'm like, that's not the right answer. You, you know, it's interesting. It's, I, I think it's, I haven't read the book, but my goodness, has it been around so many conversations I've been a part of what, what you mentioned earlier at the top of this podcast, uh, who, not how. It's, right. it, once you identify that and have that, I want to call it come to Jesus moment, because it's not that extreme, but really just asking yourself what you want. Is right. it important to you that you want to do this and where sure. you're at and who is either doing that exact process or who is doing it to some, some degree and how can you reach out to them? That's going to be in some kind of intentional manner where um, they'd be willing to either work with you or at least give you, give you, give you some ropes on what it is yeah. that you do. Because how often, yeah. do we, how often do we not turn over every, not even, it's not even about turning over every stone, just turning over a stone, yeah. like yeah. a stone to see what's underneath and see who we can connect with and where we're at. I mean, it's, it cracks me up because I, I think of the, how many references I'll give it. Cause I've, I've a lot of, I had a lot of people work with me over the last few years with, with the student painters. And it's still once every other month, I, it, at least once every other month. And then sometimes it's always like a, like a few in a week. It's a really weird thing, but I'll, references, right. People will be, Oh, can you give me a reference on this? Sentence? And I think back to, it, it's like, man, it's like, yes, the, of course, like, like not, it's not even a question. Like, of course I could do this for you if this is what's really important, but usually it's not. Usually it's a checkmark reference for like a kind of a company that just really needs to do a checkmark thing. Right. And it makes me think it's like, how can I be more intentional with the relationships that we've had where it's not just a, Hey, checking in, I need something. Um, which by the way, if you're listening to this and you ask for a reference, that's not how I see it, that you need, you obviously need that for me and only I can provide it. That's not what it is. It's really about though, you know, what's important to you? Is the relationship important to you to a point where, you know, there's something that you can not necessarily get out of it, but you can learn from it, that you can grow from it and you can push yourself with it. How can you lean into that? And I want to close with this if we can. I want to be respectful of your time, man. You've yeah, been yeah, awesome. yeah. It's all Thank good. Thank you for volunteering your time with this. I know our audience is going to be thankful. Uh, just let, can we talk about a little bit of the environment? Uh, you're up there in uh, British Columbia. I can't imagine that you are in a very... Uh, uh, a hectic environment with everyone going around you. You've built, I would assume, a lot of the people who have had the biggest influence on you have been over the internet, frankly, in a lot of yep. ways or form. Tell me a little bit about how you've audited. Here's my here's my question. How do you audit your existing environment, the people who you're spending time with in a professional setting? How do you set how, how do you determine that you need to edge out further? Like where do you get to the point where it's like I need to bring somebody in who's or, or even really not even so much bringing somebody in that acts like as, as if it's like a company thing where you're hiring yeah. somebody, how do Into you, your life. how do you phase somebody out or right. phase somebody in that you recognize kind of in, and the reason I'm asking this is I was, yeah, yeah. as I, as I rambled a little bit on this and um, thinking about like, when you're asking somebody for references, you're also asking like, how do you, how do you create a, an opportunity to be, to bring somebody in that, you know, is somebody that can help you on your path and your journey or whatever the case is. Right. I got, I got, I'll answer it like this then. Uh, I'm a professional 
And I say that with no ego experience of letting people go in my life because I had to leave the oil rigs and all my friends were there. Like they were all there and I'm still friends with two of them. Um, they, they both quit the rigs and moved on. But for the most part, it just didn't serve me. When I brought up my business or when I brought up what I want to do, they were like, that's never going to work. Ha ha, you'll be back on the rig soon. Or like, dude, who are you? And I quickly realized, I'm like, okay, um, dude, I can't be a friend. I had those conversations. Like, Listen, like, obviously we're party. It was breakup after breakup after breakup with, with people in my life, yeah. relationships, intimate relationships. And nowadays my, my tolerance for what I'll accept is fairly low, high, whatever I'm trying to say there of like, if you disrespect or if you bring my energy down and I have a conversation with you and you choose to ignore that like you are you won't hear from me and I'm okay with that um so my circle's fairly small three years ago I was like I don't know anyone who's doing quote unquote better than me at the time I thought I was like Steve Jobs I was doing like 15 20k a month I thought I was like the baller of I thought I was rich little did I know that was like that's like peanuts but I was like, how do I get in contact with people who could level me up, call me out? Like, how can I get access to people who are doing millions of dollars? And I flew down to, I had this idea for a podcast, which is, which is now the Coach's Corner podcast, three years, 240 episodes in. And I flew down to San Diego, which you mentioned earlier. And I went to a Craig Ballantyne um, uh, workshop and Lewis Howes was there in the mastermind. There was a few guys there. And I went down there with one reason, to shake hands, to say something that would stand out and then to reach out to them in a week after to see if they'd like to be on my show. And so I invested, I went down there and I made sure I made contact. Lewis Howes hasn't been on the show yet, but I've talked to him and his team like five times. I took a picture with him and I shouted out his book. And every six months we sent another thing to Lewis just being like, dude, that moment literally changed the direction of my life. Here's where we're at now with the business. Would you like to be on? We keep getting the same response. That doesn't matter. Craig Ballantyne went on the show. Craig opened up doors to Bedros Koulian, who was an early mentor, Jason Capital, Elliot Halls, these kind of marketers from like 15 years ago. That opened up doors to a whole bunch of other guys. Eventually, Robert Green, who was one of my big heroes, was on the show. And I keep in contact or I try. Grant Cardone was on the show, his wife, Elena Cardone. That opened up a whole portal to like even more guests. So I was like, I, if I understand that my environment, the people I'm in contact with, they can be friends. They can be in a mastermind. They can be you and me talking. Or they can be mentors that I may never have access to. Like Robert Green, I'm sure I could, you know, there's one guy in Vancouver right now that I'm trying to find the best way to, to, to show up and to create a relationship with him now. Um, and I've got two or three scenarios that I'm playing out. I want to give as much as I get, but I'm like, I need to get around these people who open up my mind and my awareness, obviously hiring coaches. And I've got two coaches plus the mastermind we're in that call me out all the time. Um, so I think environment is everything. Um, your intimate relationships, I had to leave too because I'm like, this isn't supporting me. And it may seem cold, but I'm like, my life is, I'm number one. Like, and I don't, I, I hope that doesn't come up wrong, but like I am. And if my oxygen mask on, I sacrifice a lot for people. Yeah. But if my oxygen mask on isn't on, and if I'm not feeding myself, and if I'm giving to you all of the time and you're not respecting that or you're not respecting my wishes, um, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Like I'm done. And it's easy for me to do that. So yeah, like if you have anyone who's sucking you dry, you, okay, here's the last thing I'll say about a coach is most coaches, where's my cup? They're like, they're, they're filling up their cup with a little bit of water 
they make in a little bit of dollars, but they're, they're empty mm-hmm. and they're trying to serve from a cup. That's literally, they have nothing in there. They're broke financially, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. They're they're They have people around them, sucking them dry. Take a timeout. I took eight months, but take a timeout, fill your cup full joy, peace, creativity, um, get your finances right. Like start charging what you're worth, like fill your cup and serve from the overflow. Like mm. have your cup overflowing with so much gratitude, excitement, people in your life that continuously fill your cup up, serve from the overflow. And yeah, there's marketing, there's tactics, there's strategies, there's stuff you can do. But if you can start showing up like you do, serving from the overflow, full of energy, dealing with your problems that I'm sure you're facing and I'm facing, but you're able to show up and just give from the overflow. If I have a day where I wake up and I can't get to a full state of gratitude, I'll cancel my calendar. I'm like, I'll tell clients, I'm, I'm no good to you today. Right. Happy to still show up for you, but you'll get so much more out of it if we can reschedule this to tomorrow because I want to serve from a full cup. And and I'm okay doing that. I'd rather, I'd rather just, dude, I'd rather go for a hike and fill my cup. I don't know if that answers it, but... We got to leave it there. That was freaking great. It's, 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 it's true though. Um, it's true. Mm. At least to me. And I think in, oh, there's so much more I want to go. Lucas, you got to make sure that uh, when you uh, automate everything and you can uh, move down here to Nashville, so you can uh, just go out on Broadway for seven nights. You a know, week. the only reason I'm not there right now is because the Canadian government and I take full responsibility. I'm not blaming oh, no. them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh no i'm, I'm no. not blaming them but they, they have like this crazy hotel quarantine where if you come back to the country they stick you in a hotel on your own dollars your own expense it's basically they're 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 basically taking you and putting you in prison um because you need to pass a quarantine test and if you don't they'll keep you there for 14 days and that's really turned me off of my country that i that i do love i love canada but that's pushed me over the edge of like what kind of country do i live in if they're escorting you with police when you land in the airport to your own country um so i will definitely be there in two three months regardless if they still have it going on i've told my girlfriend my girlfriend will come down we'll get an airbnb for a few months if we have to but i've been i've been really i got three motorcycles here though and i i they're my kids like i don't have kids so they're my kids and i don't know how to bring them i'm gonna miss them so that's the one thing that's been holding me back is motorcycles are my life apart from coaching why wouldn't why wouldn't you be able to bring them i should i should i i'll figure it out yeah dude, we'll, we'll talk about this off the podcast yeah, we'll Thanks figure so it much out. really appreciate it i know appreciate uh, you dude thank you for your time you made it through to the end of the podcast Thank you so much for joining me on this journey. Come back to the Connector Podcast. Uh, Subscribe. Never miss an episode. We do a lot of short, value-packed episodes. And we also have some amazing interviews, uh, not only in the archives, but coming up as well. Make sure you subscribe. Uh, Stick around if it's your first time. We welcome you. Uh, We do this show for free. So consider leaving us a review. Uh, we never monetize the show. We never will. Um, this is focused on really, it's a, it's a passion of my own to bring some of this um, energy, optimism, leadership, any kind, of, any, any kind of advice or whatever it is that we do on this show. I want to bring that to you and uh, we, we never ask for a penny for it. So what we do ask for is if this show has a profound impact on you, um, to leave us a review. And if you have a good feeling about it, but maybe you didn't get that profound impact, subscribe. I guarantee you, if you listen to this regularly, uh, some awesome results in your life will come. All right, y'all. 
Get after it. Have a phenomenal day. I'm your host, Aaron Griffin. Talk soon.